Here's the question. Are you a business owner wanting to grow your business, but you're not sure what to do about your podcast? Well, welcome to the show that's about to change all of that. In this podcast, we're taking the problems of podcasting head on. Entrepreneurs just like you will share their strategies, tactics, and tips they use every day with their podcast to make it an effective marketing and revenue tool in their toolkit. Welcome to Entrepreneurs on Podcasting. Hey there, world changers, and welcome to Entrepreneurs on Podcasting. Now, today, our guest has been podcasting since 2014, which in terms of internet years is like forever and a day. But he saw the need for a podcast show that was going to be able to help coaches grow their business. And each week, his episodes gives his audience actionable strategies that they can use to grow their business. And it's almost at 800 episodes, so this guy's no joke. Now, when he's busy not delivering value from behind the mic, he's speaking at events like Social Media Marketing World, Entrepreneur City Live, as well as TP3X Conference. And if you like the written word, you can find all kinds of online publications, including the very coveted entrepreneur.com. So everyone, please help me in welcoming to the show the host of the Natural Born Coaches podcast, Mark Mowini. Mark, how are you? I am doing good, and thanks for having me on, Cliff. Excellent. So tell us about your business. What is it that you do exactly? In a nutshell, my whole thing is helping coaches get more clients without paid ads. So it's all organic, not um, paid marketing like Facebook ads or Google or anything like that. It's all without uh, putting money out of pocket, getting more clients. So that's, uh, and I'm glad you're doing this show because I'm a huge fan of podcasting, obviously. Nice. And what was it that attracted you to the field of coaching? Well, that's a really long story. <laughs> I'll give you the, the Cliff's Notes, uh, you know, pun intended, Cliff's Notes version with it. Basically, my background's in real estate. I spent about a decade throughout my 20s building up a real estate business here in Canada. It got quite large. I had about 100 agents and employees. I had five uh, sister companies working under the umbrella, a couple offices and all that fun stuff. And uh, then everything came crashing down a little over a decade ago. So I spent a couple of years traveling in the wilderness. I always say the, not the literal wilderness, figuratively. <laughs> and uh, after a decade of everything I touched turned to gold, there's a couple of years where everything I touched turned to shit. So basically I was helped back to my feet by several different coaches and mentors. And when I was ready to get back into business in early 2014, I thought, wow, what a great business coaching would be. And that's how I got into coaching. Nice. And because this is something I want to make sure that we go back and explore, because you were talking about how you were wandering in, in the wilderness. What was some of those, because this is something that all entrepreneurs face, right? Not just coaches, but all entrepreneurs, right? We face those moments where it's, it almost feels like we have those days where it's do or die, or sometimes those days turns into a week or turns into a month. And so my question to you is that from a coaching standpoint, is there something that your coaches really shared with you that like really turned a light bulb on in your head and said, you know what, I'm, I'm so pushing forward once again. One of the things that stands out is, uh, and this wasn't an actual paid coach, this would be more the mentor, but uh, I think there's definitely some overlap. After the business closure, I uh, was getting kicked around pretty good by my local media. Some of it warranted, uh, some of it I think was a little over the top. I was Hitler for a while there, public enemy number one. And uh, this... Uh, person reached out to me in my home province here in Atlanta, Canada, and he lived about an hour away. Never spoke to him before in my life. I didn't know who he was. And he had read some of the newspaper stuff and, and some of the, the stories that were out there. And he reached out and he said, hey, I just want to let you know, kudos for trying. Don't beat yourself up. This happens to the best. And I'd love to take you out for coffee sometime. 
Uh, now, at this point, a stage of the game, I, I wasn't in my most sociable <laughs> mood. I was more like, I want to stay in my room with the curtains closed. I don't want to see the outside world. Uh, but something said, you know what? I'll get out of town. I'll drive an hour. I'll meet with them. I don't even drink coffee. I, I'm going to lose my Canadian citizenship. I hate coffee and beer. Um, but I, <laughs> I said, I'll get it. I'll go. I'll meet with them. And at least I can clear my head, get some fresh air, go for a drive. Uh, so I drove an hour away. I was sat down and it was a real turning point for me because he was explaining to me some of his ups and downs. I'm also explaining some of the issues, some prominent entrepreneurs in our neck of the woods had that had gone through some of the same things. Like I had business closure, bankruptcy, I get kicked around all that other stuff. And I left that meeting, just, um, did a 180 for my energy because suddenly I didn't look at a business closure being like a scarlet letter, you know, on, on your chest that everyone's identifying as it's like, wow, I'm not the only person going through this. And I badge of honor might be maybe not the right wording with it, but I felt much um, better coming out of that. And I'm very grateful that he reached out because he, he didn't have to reach out to me. I was a stranger. He just read newspaper stories or whatever. Uh, so I've done the same thing when I hear businesses close and this is something that's happening a lot in these COVID times, right? I'll uh, sometimes reach out to the person I see that's often getting attacked in the media or social media or whatever. And I'll do the same thing. I'll, you know, tell them, keep their head up, let me know if they need anything and if they want to chat or whatever. I think that's important entrepreneurs supporting each other. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And uh, you, you brought up a really good point because a lot of people think of like a bankruptcy is in terms of it's over, it's the ultimate failure. And I can't remember the exact statistic. It's a fairly large majority of entrepreneurs who are like successful. When I'm talking about successful, I'm talking like a million dollars plus. Yeah. Uh, that have gone through bankruptcy. So bankruptcy is not the end of the world, not by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. I spoke with someone else back when all this was going on and he had said in places like Silicon Valley and tech world, stuff like that, people won't invest with an entrepreneur who hasn't gone belly up at least once because it shows that they haven't taken any risks. They're playing it safe. Now, maybe you don't want to invest with someone who's gone belly up 10 times, <laughs> but a few times isn't necessarily a bad thing. I learned my lessons from it. I'd rather not go through that situation again, but I wouldn't be talking with you here today. And there, there are some silver linings when you go through stuff like that. Me personally, I could, well, it introduced me to coaching basically it gave me a thicker skin. If I'm getting attacked by some stranger 500 miles away in his mom's basement on the internet, <laughs> a keyboard right. warrior, eh, I've been attacked by worse with it. So there's definitely some positives that came from it. Definitely. What made you get into podcasting? Well, anytime I start something, I'm the type of guy I, uh, leap first. <laughs> I don't look, then leap. I tend to just <laughs> jump in. Uh, there's also that play on the saying, instead of ready, aim, fire, what is a fire ready, aim, or what? Yeah, I think it's you? ready, fire, aim yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, so I, I tend to not overthink things because then you get stuck in a paralysis trap analysis by paralysis. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, people cliff that plan to start a podcast three years ago and they're still <laughs> in, in oh, research yeah. mode. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a long runway from when I said, yeah, what's this podcasting thing? And I think I want to start one to when it went live. Basically I, this was uh, November 20 of 2014 is when the show launched and I, it, it was a daily show for the first year, actually. And I was editing it myself as well. <laughs> I don't know how I'm not in the loony bin because, uh, now I have a team. Uh, my twin brother has a podcast editing business. He started the following year after I started my podcast and I very gladly handed it over to him. But basically at the time, it, and I say this just in case anyone's saying, gee, Mark, you got in early too late to start podcasting. I thought I was late to the party in 2014. 
<laughs> so <laughs> I, I learned from John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneur on Fire. He and his partner, Kate, had a podcaster's paradise program that I was in. And I thought, gee, I'm too late. If, if I'd only started my show back when John started his, I think he started 2012 or whatever. Or, or there's some people I know, Scott Patton, for example, he was a real veteran in podcasting in 2006. Uh, he was doing a show, which is nuts. Uh, so I thought I was late. Now people are saying the same thing. Oh, gee, Mark, you're lucky. 2022 is too late. To, I'm too late to it. So, uh, yeah, basically I just, I wanted a vehicle to get my message out to more people. And I thought podcasting is interesting. I'd listen to a regular listener to some podcasts, like in the baseball world and stuff like that. I thought I'll, I'll start one of her coaches. That's, that's how it started. Nice. Is there something specific about podcasting that you thought this is going to be just a great marketing tool for my business? Ah, geez. Well, I, I won't use the, I've got a face for radio. How many times, <laughs> how many times have podcasters use that joke? You know, it's probably overused. For me, I like to challenge myself and try different things. And, um, there was just something, again, I, I wish I could say that I dream, grew up wanting to be a podcaster or anything like that. It wasn't that. It's just, uh, for me, I thought it sounded like fun to listen to myself speak, but also a great way to meet people too. I thought, wow, this is a, a way to get my foot in the door. Some really amazing guests and 751 episodes have been released as of today. I've met some incredible people who I probably wouldn't have met, or I know I wouldn't have met if not for the podcast. So that's something if anyone's thinking of starting a podcast, a big plus is it definitely connects you with some cool folks. Yeah, definitely. Definitely it does. And speaking of connecting you with cool folks. So talk to us, what is podcasting, what is podcasting done for your business? It's one of my primary revenue drivers. Now that being said, it's been, you know, Cliff, it's not a get rich quick. A lot of people think oh, I'll throw a show up and I'll make a million bucks in the first year. And it's like a magic money tree in the backyard. It's not, uh, but it's one of those, what I call uh, my main three pillars with my business, the three being podcasting, uh, that's my show, but also going out on shows like we're doing right now. The other one's a Facebook group. I have a group with about 22,000 coaches, the coaching jungle. So that's a big one. And the other one's daily emails, which I've been doing for years as well. So those are my three pillars. And podcasting was really the first of those three pillars that got established uh, with it. So I think there's instant credibility in a lot of ways, especially if you can hang on and uh, do enough episodes. How many podcasters are stuck in podgatory? They say they don't yes. know if the show is alive or if it's dead or pod fading. Yeah. yeah, there we go. But yeah, if you could stick in there, people, my world, especially a lot of people are on um, roll out of bed today and say, Hey, I can help coaches get more clients, pay me a bunch of money. And sometimes they're legit. Often they're not. There's a lot of bad apples in our industry. If someone checks me out and they say, oh, geez, done, you know, upwards of 800 podcast episodes and he's been around now for eight years and he's done this, he's done that, then there is that credibility and makes it an easier sell. Uh, but I just had an email actually a couple of days ago from a woman who started a new job. Uh, she's looking at getting into coaching. She's been listening to my show on her commute because she's got to travel a couple hours a day. And she sent a message to Mark. I've been going through all your episodes, listening to you all day long. I said, oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> you have to listen to my lame jokes and puns and stuff uh, that I use on air sometimes. Uh, but yeah, that's cool when you get messages like that. Yeah, indeed. Indeed it is. I love when I go into the podcast tool or whatever it is, and I'm looking Ooh. at my downloads and I really don't pay too much attention to the downloads, but I love it on those days where I like see spikes yep. and I'm like, Oh, somebody found my podcast. They love my messaging and they 
binged every episode that I have. Yeah. Well, often I notice if I go on a show like this, then I'll notice a spike in downloads once a show's released. The same thing goes for requests to join the Coaching Jungle Facebook group and stuff. There's like a huge day. I'm like, wow, we're getting like triple our normal request to join. That's probably why uh, with it. One piece of advice I would give podcasters and not saying don't look at your dashboard, don't look at your stats. I think it's good to know those things. Don't obsess over them. And you probably know right. people, Cliff, that go into their Libsyn or whatever host and they're refreshing in every hour. Uh, they're listening to their own show like multiple times. Who has time to do that? Uh, they obsess over, oh, gee, I coughed or mispronounced a word at the 17 minute, 22 second mark. Now I got to go and redo that. You drive yourself crazy. But me, I record the show. It goes in the can, goes over to the team to produce it, to edit it, upload it, stuff. I don't listen to my show again. I don't want to listen to myself again. I'm, I'm too busy. <laughs> too busy doing other stuff. So don't obsess over those stats and stuff if you're a, especially a new podcaster. Right. And I often, I often uh, will tell the people that I'm working with that it's more important that the right person listen to your episode versus how many downloads you're getting. Yeah. And that's a key difference. When I, when I was putting together this podcast was, is the fact that I just didn't want to speak to podcasters. I want to talk to entrepreneurs who have a podcast. Because you're treating the podcast like yeah. it's a part of your marketing. And that's why I loved before when you were talking about the three main pillars, your podcasting, going out and doing interviews, and then your Facebook group, right? Mm. Such a very simple marketing plan, right? It's not you're like you're trying to out there dominate every single platform that's out there and try to shove out content. You just come up with these three simple things that are just working really well for you. How did you come up with having such a simple strategy? I've always subscribed to the KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid, yep. or uh, keep it simple, silly, if you want to be nicer. Now, that being said, it's not that I only do the three things, podcasting, Facebook group, and daily emails. I do other things. I'm in other places, but I'm focusing primarily on those things. So I'm not trying to do 177 different things. So right. you see um, how many entrepreneurs feel like they have to do every hot trend. Well, for example, and I may offend some of your people here, but maybe not because we're in the podcast fans are listening. About a year ago, everyone was gushing about Clubhouse. You got to be on Clubhouse. It's You absolutely have to be there. You don't have to be at everywhere people say that. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Uh, but me, I'll be honest, I hate Clubhouse. I don't like it. I tried it once. I've gone on, I popped on a few times. And this is probably generalizing, but it tended to be a lot of douchepreneurs that were just like blowing up their <laughs> revenue. Oh yeah, I made a million dollars last month and this is how I did it. And true story, I was driving with my fiance and I was telling her about Clubhouse. And I said that story to her. I said, I'm going to click on it right now, I, I open the app, and I guarantee you it's some idiot that's bragging about how much money that he's making. And I don't have a problem with people making money, by the way, but I do have a problem with a lot of the fake gurus that you can tell her, yeah. of, you know why. Sure enough, I open up the app and we go in into that room and it's one of those guys saying, that's how I made $1.3 million laugh. And I was like, yeah, that's Clubhouse in a nutshell. Now, I think they've changed it, but I also didn't like, I get spoiled because I listen to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks, but I listen at 2x speed, maybe 1.5 if it's a fast speaker. With Clubhouse, you couldn't do that. You couldn't. Now, maybe it's changed. I think you can listen to recordings and stuff now, but you had to be there live and you'd have to listen to 99% fluff and filler to hope to get 1% of golden nugget, which a horrible use of your time. 
many other people like, oh, you got to be on like Elon Musk hopped on there, whatever. I'm like, yeah, I can watch tons of his interviews on YouTube. I can listen to his Joe yeah. Rogan uh, interview on there or whatever. I'm not going to hang around hoping to see Damon John or Elon Musk on Clubhouse. There's a little round about Clubhouse there, but my point being, you don't have to hop on those things, but I will try different uh, things just to see if I like it, which I did with Clubhouse. I had an Alexa flash briefing for about a year, a one minute daily show there. I stopped it because it just, I wasn't enjoying it, wasn't doing it for me. So I'll try different things, but those sure. are the three faithful that you mentioned, those three pillars. Nice. And we, when you got into podcasting, you're like me, right? When I do something, I jump in, you know, feet first and then figure it out as you're going mm. down. Who's it? I think it was, can't remember. They said entrepreneurs like jumping off a cliff and building the yeah. airplane on the way down. <laughs> That's like my philosophy. And I got to admit, I actually really do like it. Anyways, so you jump into podcasting and I, and before you mentioned something about how it was, I, I started off as a daily yeah. show. What was your chief struggle? Well, I started the, uh, doing daily partly because John Lee Dumas, he was doing daily, right? Crushing an yep. entrepreneur on fire. I thought, oh, it's working for John. I could do it and all this right. stuff. And it made sense in a way. I wouldn't recommend starting daily, by the way. I think I would if recommend anyone that's thinking of starting a show, probably start with a weekly frequency. Then you can bump it up. If you, the struggle for me, I realized really quick, I was on a treadmill for that first year, finding good guests, uh, interviewing them. I, like I mentioned, I was doing the editing. So I was just constantly in front of the uh, laptop with a Red Bull, trying to stay awake and edit. And basically the reason I pulled it back and it's at a weekly frequency now, and it's been for, for years, is I wasn't getting seven times the ROI doing seven shows a week versus one show a week because I didn't have a lot of time to promote it because the new show was coming out the next day and yep. you just run off to the next one. So I, I would definitely recommend weekly, at least so don't do one show a month or something. You won't, it'll be hard to get traction, but I wouldn't start with daily. Nice. And what was that point where you said to yourself, cause you were doing daily and then you switched over to doing weekly, right? So I know for a lot of people out there, when you talk about before about like overthink, oh my God, this is going to ruin my podcast. It's going to kill my download and, and my audience is going to hate it. Cause I'm going from daily to, to weekly. How did you overcome that in your mind? Like, did you also send on an announcement to say, Hey, we're just switching to weekly. How was that conversation? In a lot of entrepreneurs get pot committed. So they think because they've done something a certain way that they have to keep doing it. And to use a poker analogy, they're pot committed. It's like, you have a hand that you don't like, but you feel like you have to keep shoving chips into the middle of the table just because I already bet. So, and we all know poker players like that already bet. So I have to keep going or whatever. I backed away from it. I didn't go from daily to weekly. I ended up going seven times a week to five shows a week to three shows a week and then to one show a week. Oh, okay. Um, so that's how I did it, which was a little more gradual uh, with it. But that's how the show, if you do the math and you see that the show has been running now for a little over seven years, we're coming up on seven and a half soon, but it's got that many episodes. It's because the first 350 some or 360 were uh, accumulating really quickly in that first year. Then it was scaled back. Nice. So what has, you know, what is some of the biggest successes that you've had with your podcast and, and how's it helped to, get, to grow your business? Well, I mean, I've gotten clients from it, someone to reach out. It helps with the KLT. Uh, yes. that's no like trust, the thing that's so important for us entrepreneurs. So I've had people who chose to work with me or they buy a program that I'm offering or something. And they'll say, I feel like I know you, Mark, because I've been listening to your show for couple of years. I've been on your email list. Now I do daily emails. So that that's where my daily stuff goes to. I love doing the daily emails. 
uh, but they've been reading so much or listening to me so much, they feel like they know me. Another place that it's really helped me, and this is, I think, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs aren't taking advantage of this. I do joint ventures with partners and I do them different than most people in the online space. I do a flat CJV. So basically, Joe Smith or Mary Jones has a product or a service that can benefit my audience. It's not exactly what I do. They can pay me X amount. I'll promote it to my audience in different places, different things. But one of them is the podcast episode. So not all of my guests, but I would say roughly one or two episodes a month is a joint venture partner where we'll promote if we're doing a webinar together or whatever we're doing in there. Uh, so that's my way, a big way of monetizing the show indirectly. People aren't paying to come on the show because I don't know if that really works. You've probably seen hosts that try this too, where they say, hey, pay me X number of dollars to come on my show. A lot of people recoil because I'm not going to pay to come on a podcast. Uh, but right, right now, my my one week joint venture pl- uh, program or that offer is a 5,000 US offer. So they're not paying $5,000 just to be on the show. They get a lot of other stuff, but that's definitely a cherry on top with it. So I prefer to use that method as opposed to, you know how many podcasters are going for that holy grail to find a sponsorship? They think they're going to get a sponsor paying a million dollars or whatever. That's very difficult unless you're Joe Rogan or one of these big names to do it. I prefer to monetize my show that way with joint venture partners coming on as guests. Yeah. And what you were talking about before about, you know, guests being charged a fee to be on podcast, uh, you've mentioned John Lee Dumas a couple of times, and I know that this is a big part of his revenue stream. If you want to get in front of his audience as a guest, you do, there's a fee you have to pay. And I, off the top of my head, I can't remember what it is, but there is a fee that you have to pay to basically get on your show. But in exchange for that, you're being downloaded to, to millions of people that are out there because he's got that audience actually built up. So, and I know that part of that monetization path too, which is kind of like why I don't, I don't really push it, but part of that monetization path is you have to actually be able to prove that you're going to get that many downloads for an episode. So it's not like you can go out and start charging people five grand and only get 10 downloads, right? Because you're not, you're not going to be in business very long with that model right there. Yeah, There's been some issues in the past with podcasters. How can we say it politely fudging numbers to get sponsors? Uh, So one trick that they used to do, and and I don't know, I think things have changed now. I'm sure some people still do it, but they would take a popular hashtag on Twitter, for example, Justin Bieber's fans are using Beliebers or something. Uh, by yeah. the way, I apologize to you Americans for sending you guys Justin Bieber. We're here in Canada. We we owe you. I'm just kidding. But um, they, they would use a hashtag like hashtag Believer um, with their podcast episode to get a bunch of 13-year-old girls would just click on it to think it's up to Justin oh, Bieber and then realize it's some middle-aged uh, dude's podcast, business podcast. Uh, they would listen for a couple seconds, click off, but then it would count as a download or a listen. So they could bump their numbers up that way. So how would you like to be a podcast or a sponsor, sorry, who pays for these ads? Oh, wow, we're getting a million listens or whatever, but they're not really listening to the whole episode or there's a lot of trickery going on with it. So uh, there's been some issues there. The podcasting world is um, as reputable when it comes to that as, say, radio, uh, the radio world, even though radio sounds very old school. I think people trust, companies trust radio more than podcasting, although I do think podcasting's becoming more professional and it's weeding out maybe some bad apples, but just a few thoughts there around sponsorships. Yeah. And you bring up a really good point when you talk about weeding out the bad apples, because the the people who I I think aren't, they don't have a very clear definition or a mission 
mm. in mind, not only with their business, but with their podcast. I think that just after they produce 10 or 20 episodes and they're not getting 10,000 downloads an episode like they initially thought in their yeah. business plan, that by attrition just completely weeds people out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I always, when I'm coaching, I, I'm not a podcast coach, like to say like you are or others, but I have helped people do their shows and I always encourage them to be realistic. And I'd like to think I'm an optimistic guy. I like big thinkers, you know, big goals. I'm into that. Uh, but I always tamper that and kind of bring it down a little bit. I don't want to promise them the moon and the stars. Like it's going to be a get rich quick because it's not. I think it's really important to have your business worked out and behind the podcast. You know, do you have a solid offer? Do you have a know who you're presenting it to? Do you are you clearly defined niche or marketplace, which a lot of people don't? They just think, oh, we'll start a podcast around motivation and the money will come in or whatever. And it's not as easy as that. Right. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of times where you just have to produce episodes and it's almost like that, but just being an entrepreneur, right? When you start a business, you just have to be faithful, right? You got to, you got to have that level of faith that the future is going to be better, that the future is going to be brighter, that your business is going to take off, that you're going to find your clients. And I find that to say, it's the same thing with, with podcasts. You know, you're not, like I said before, you're not going to get 10,000 downloads on your very first episode. You might have to produce episodes like you did, where you're talking about producing for, to the tune of eight years before you start seeing any real meaningful download numbers. But the important thing to remember, and I want to make sure I stress this, it's about having the right people hear your message, right? It's yeah. not about the number of downloads in particular, but it's a matter of the right people that hear yeah, your it's, message. It's better to have a quote, smaller podcast, uh, with a tighter, uh, net community, community. Yeah. People yep. you have a relationship with, as opposed to just loosey goosey. Yeah. You get more downloads, but it's, um, you're not getting that ROI with it as well. So same goes with the email list. All these people are concerned about having huge hundred thousand subscriber email list. I would rather have an email list of 5,000 people that you have a good relationship with, you're going to yes. probably make more than uh, I had a client once that bought a email list of 40,000 names, spent many thousands of dollars on it. Didn't make one sale because they didn't know her, right? <laughs> All of a sudden yep. they're getting emails from her, like who the heck is this? And she just tried to shortcut the process and buy her way into it. And uh, it didn't work out for her, unfortunately. So better to build from the ground up. Don't worry so much about size, just to keep that relationship uh, strong with your people, podcasting, email, Facebook groups. It's all the same across the board for any of those things. Right. Yeah. It's a matter of touch points. Here's a question I want to ask you. There's an entrepreneur out there who is listening to this and they may be struggling with either, you know, coming up with content, podcasting, whatever it is. What would be one piece of advice that you would give that entrepreneur that's struggling with a podcast? For coming up with content? Well, an easy way is uh, to do an interview-based show because then the guest is providing a lot of the content. So I had a solo show, the Mark Morney show for about a year. I did a weekly show for so 50 some episodes. And I found it was a lot more work doing that solo show. Now I do mix in solo episodes for natural born coaches, but 90% of my shows are guests on there and it's just conversations. And I mean, there's a little bit of research and stuff like that, but really the guest is carrying the load. They're probably talking two thirds of the time, maybe three quarters of the time or whatever. And you just have to have some good questions there, but the show does itself. If you're doing a, a solo podcast, definitely a lot more work, uh, with trying to, some people script it out, all this other stuff. So, I mean, there would be one uh, piece of advice, uh, do an interview based show, or maybe you do a hybrid where you mix it up, but not all solo episodes. Cause that is a lot of work, especially when you're getting started. 
Certainly. And when you were talking before about, because I, I do want to go back and kind of explore this a little bit. When you're talking about how you do by 10% solo, 90% interviews, why do you still continue to mix the solo in there? Sometimes there's something I want to touch on. Maybe it's a big that I want to put in. Sometimes it'll lead into an offer. Like, let's say I just uh, created a program around uh, something and I want to get it the extra attention. Like, okay, I'll mix in a solo episode and I'll talk about whatever subject it is. And then the call to action will be to purchase my program at the end of it. So there are certain things that sometimes I want to talk about something. And also sometimes there's uh, topics that might be a little bit more, I don't know if controversial is the right word, maybe hot button stuff. Some people stay right. away from those. I'm tempted right now with everything going on, Joe Rogan and stuff. Maybe I'll do an episode. Yeah, I'll probably regret this <laughs> if, I get, <laughs> if I get canceled too. But I, I have a lot of issues with what's going on with Joe Rogan and the attempts to cancel him at the moment. And I see attacks on free speech and stuff. Maybe I'll throw that in there and do one around that. So. We'll see, but that wouldn't fit into an interview style one unless I had someone in there and want to talk about that, that issue or whatever the topic of the day is. So you're not afraid of tackling some of these more sensitive issues. No, if you look at my daily emails or my social media, it's pretty clear where I stand on certain things. I don't go out there to poke the bear nonstop, but I do shaking things up a little bit because I find the coaching world rather bland and boring. <laughs> it's very corporate. <laughs> Even the coaching books you read feel like a textbook. And it's like, oh my God. So, you know, this shouldn't be controversial, but in 2022 it is. I'm, I've been very open with my support of capitalism. I am not a fan of socialism, Marxism, stuff like that, woke right. politics or whatever. And when I put something up on social media or my email supporting capitalism, I get two responses. I'll get uh, a lot of people, entrepreneurs like, oh my God, Mark, thanks for saying that. I love capitalism, but I can't say that because I don't want to get attacked. Oh my God, if an entrepreneur can't say that they support capitalism, we're in trouble. Uh, then I'll get some <laughs> of the other side, the, the socialist types that'll uh, message me from their uh, $1,000 iPhones complaining about capitalism or whatever, but that's fine. Cause I'd rather do that than be in the mushy middle. But when it comes to things, like I'd rather have raving fans and then people who hate me instead of indifference and just people like, oh, I don't know who he is or rather bland or boring. So yeah, I, I'm not afraid to tackle big issues. I've talked about things like COVID politics. I've talked about uh, well, Joe Rogan. <laughs> we just touched on here with, uh, with that whole thing and other stuff. And I, I like to do that because I've got strong opinions and hey, it's my platform. So I'm going to. Yeah. And I think that the important point to, to keep in mind, because I know there's probably some people that are just cringing when they hear about yeah. that, but it really is. It's really about being authentic, right? You're not pretending to be something that you're not. This is the way that I believe and, and the, and I find it oftentimes better. You get a better quality of a client when that client believes the same way that you believe. Yeah. You're not pretending to be someone and, and it goes on the other side of it. Uh, I've worked with people who want it. One in California, she's a sweetheart. She's a far left tree hugging hippie type or whatever. And we used to always joke around cause she was a Bernie uh, Sanders supporter. I was not. <laughs> and uh, we, we'd go back and forth. I had a lot of fun, but I would encourage her to speak her truth too. Don't pretend that she's something she isn't. Uh, one of the funny stories I remember with, I remember when Tony Robbins released his um, documentary on Netflix back in 2016. I'm yes. not, I'm not your guru. Yes. Uh, well, anyone who watch it, 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 I always say you should do a drinking game. Every time Tony drops the F-bomb, you take a shot, be, your ass would be on the floor <laughs> within minutes. Uh, Cause yes. I don't know what his deal was. If he's trying to break a Guinness book of world records for swearing, but he was just cursing like a sailor. Hey, he's Tony Robbins. He could do that. Uh, but in the weeks after its release, I noticed all these coaches who were in my network were suddenly dropping F-bombs and cursing like sailors. 
And it got a little silly because I knew them from before seeing their stuff that they didn't curse and swear. Yeah. And one of them was like, if you don't go for your effing dreams, you're an effing piece of garbage. Now get off your effing ass. It is just like, oh yeah. my God. Now I'm not trying to uh, stand on the altar here because I, my language can be salty. I'm not dropping F-bombs in a podcast, but my emails might say crap or BS with some people like, oh my God, Mark, I don't think that's that bad. But uh, yeah, that was uh, my point being, if you curse like a sailor and that's how you want to talk, go for it, but don't do it just because you see Tony Robbins doing it. Think, well, gee, Tony's the top one top in the, or the top personal development guy in the world. So I got a curse to, you know, make it in this business. That's silly. Just be yourself. I know it sounds cliche, but it's true. Yeah. I remember reading an article along those same lines when Apple became the most valuable company in the world. Mm. And so a lot of the CEOs in Silicon Valley were like, oh, well, we need to be like Steve Jobs and treat our employees like crap. Yeah. And wear the turtleneck, uh, black turtlenecks all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, that destroyed more companies than anything. It was just something very specific that seemed to resonate with Apple, but I don't, I'm not aware of any other company that was able to successfully pull that off. Yeah. Being I, able to treat your I'm big on the Marvel universe, like the movies and stuff like that. I love going inside. Yeah. And, uh, but as a kid, I grew up reading comics, both DC and Marvel. And, um, actually people can't see this cause if it's audio, so there's a Stan Lee bobblehead that I have. Stan Lee. Stan the man, rest in peace. Uh, but I actually have learned a lot. Um, I've read pretty much every book that's been out there about Marvel, Stan Lee, um, anything just to consume it. And fascinating guy with his creativity and everything. Uh, but before he created the fan or co-created, so I guess I, uh, the Fantastic Four back in the early 60s, 1961 right. or two, Martin Goodman, who ran Marvel, was... Um, always could, uh, concerned with the latest trends. So if Western comics were big, okay, we'll just pump, pump out 50 Western titles a month or romance comments or uh, comics are big. Then he would focus on that or uh, horror or whatever, uh, horror comics. And he was just followed the trends and Sam Lee was getting burned out because he'd follow trend for a while. Then they have to switch to the next one or whatever. Yep. It wasn't a sustainable business. So uh, he was getting ready to quit. Uh, Stan Lee was going to quit Marvel and his wife basically said, well, if you're going to quit anyways, why don't you just write the book that you want to write the title? And you're going to, if you get fired, you get fired, you're going to quit anyways. And that's where he had the confidence to do the fantastic four, which was a very different team up type book. And then of course, yes. Spider-Man and Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, all these great characters, but that was because he didn't follow the trends. And that's what I would say the same thing in our world. Don't uh, feel like you have to follow the people who are doing well, because um, that's what everyone does. And there's very few that are actually successful that way. Just be yourself. Yes. Be yourself and uh, make sure your story is authentic. Mm. How can people follow you online? How can they find you? Where can they find you? I know before you mentioned something about Facebook group, but how can people get in touch with you? Yeah. I mean, the central hub where you can find the podcast, get on my email list and all that fun stuff. That's at naturalborncoaches.com. Uh, the Facebook group, which you're a member of. So thanks for being in there. It's the coaching jungle. If you go to thatcoachingjungle.com, that'll take you right there. Awesome. And for our audience, we're going to have all of those delicious links in the show notes down below. Mark, it's been a real treat having you on the podcast today. Really appreciate you taking time to talk with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. I want to let you know that enrollment for our free five-day Start My Business podcast challenge is officially open. If you're an entrepreneur and you're thinking a podcast would be a great way to grow your business, but you're not sure how to start one, then this challenge is for you. This challenge is designed by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. 
Now, within the five-day challenge, you'll go from ground zero to having a fully operational podcast that you can use to start growing your business. I'll be sharing with you simple tips and tricks that took me years to learn that will prevent you from spending hours on one episode. Head over to startmybusinesspodcastchallenge.com or click on the link in the show notes down below. We'll see you there.